Welcome to the Exam Study Expert Podcast, helping you ace your exams at school and university through the psychology of high performance and the science of studying smarter, not harder. It's my pleasure to introduce your host, the Cambridge-trained memory psychologist and exam success coach, William Wadsworth. Hello and welcome back to the show. If you joined me for yesterday's episode, you may remember that we're shining a light this week on the specific challenges that young men and young women may be facing in their educational journeys and the sorts of things that we can do about it. Yesterday, we had a fantastic conversation with Charlie Young and Tanya Meesman all about the challenges that young women face and the steps we can take to overcome them. Gentlemen, if you skipped that episode, I would encourage you to go back and have a little listen because you have a part to play in solving those challenges as well as the girls themselves. And by the same token, ladies, although we're going to be talking today about the boys, men and masculinities, I'd encourage you equally to have a listen in on this one, because again, you have your role to play in helping the gentlemen around you in your classes. So without further ado, let's get right into today's interview. I'm delighted to be joined by my expert for today, Tim Carpentier, to tell us more. Tim, would you start by introducing yourself for us, please? Sure. My name is Tim Carpentier. My pronouns are he, him. And currently I work at Save the Children UK uh, as a learning solutions specialist. So um, what I'm doing right now is yeah, designing uh, learning programs. Um, I've held different roles with regards to gender justice in the past. So had roles kind of integrating gender equality into international development programming. So this kind of looks at developing curricula for um for adolescents on on gender equality, on masculinities, doing social norms analyses to figure out um, why we act the way that we do and with a particular focus on adolescents. I've also worked in LGBTQI inclusive education uh, and done some other human rights work. Um, And one thing I'm excited about that I that I recently started doing is I joined uh, Beyond Equality, which is a UK-based organization that's that works with youth in schools and in universities to talk about positive masculinities. Excellent. Well, really excited to talk to you about some of that. Uh, Perhaps we could start by just talking a little bit about what you mean by masculinities or masculinity, perhaps starting with, you know, when that's a good thing. And then perhaps we could talk about some of the problems that might create, uh, particularly in a school environment. Sure. Uh, So I think, I mean, I I would say instead of talking about masculinity, I think it's important to talk about masculinities in, in plural, because they can be, they can take many different forms. So I think that's one, one important thing. To, to talk about if we're if we're talking about more positive notions of masculinities, because there are some what are known as toxic or hegemonic notions of masculinity. So so some of the some of the more problematic conceptions of masculinity are around you know ideas that that boys and men don't cry, that men always have to be tough, that you have to be drinking a lot of alcohol and playing sports and really good at athletics and that men are straight, you know, that men aren't, can't be gay, for example, um, you know, these sorts of things and that those straight guys go out and, and have a lot of girlfriends and that sort of thing. Um, so these sorts of very rigid notions of masculinity, I would say are, are, they can be quite toxic because they can be, they can really restrict, um, who people are and really restrict, uh, men's abilities to be kind of different and, and diverse and nuanced and that sort of thing. Um, so I would say there are lots of different ways 
to express masculinity. Um, for me, it, it has a lot to do with kind of being open. As I'm getting a little bit older, I'm trying to be more vulnerable because when I was socialized growing up as a boy and a man, I was taught to not be vulnerable. I was taught that in order to be a man, I had to sort of keep my emotions all um, level and, and, and always say everything was okay. Never talk about pain, never talk about you know, anxiety or frustration, that sort of thing. So for me, it's actually a, a lot more about exploring what those emotions are and how they've shaped me um, and, and, being, and being much more open about that. For me also, I, I think a, a, an important part about masculinity is caring. I've had a lot of really positive experiences of male caregivers in my life. Um, so I think that's, uh, that's an important aspect of, of masculinity as well. But again, social norms often say that women do the caregiving, uh, they take care of the kids, they take care of the older parents, that sort of thing, um, and that it's not the domain of men. So I, I think for me, that's an important piece to, to include as well in, in, in my version of what I think a healthy masculinity is. I'm just, I'm just curious, you, you mentioned the word socialized a couple of times. T- tell us a bit more about that process. I would say if if you're if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're listening and and you identify as as a boy or a man, you know, answer this question in your head. Have you know, have you ever done something that you didn't really want to do because it didn't seem manly enough? You know, that could be uh, ordering something at a restaurant like a burger instead of a salad or a beer instead of a cocktail if maybe you felt like those those different things or is it something like um playing a certain sport instead of doing something instead of joining ballet or something like that, which is maybe what you really wanted to do or figure skating instead of hockey. So I would say the socialization process is kind of reinforced by these by these things that happen in society. From a very young age, we're told that boys play hockey. They don't figure skate as, as one example there. Um, so it, it's kind of everywhere. It's in the media. It's in the school. It's when you read books. I mean, I can't even tell you how many children's books I've picked up. And all the female characters are kind of subservient and being saved by some prince or something like that, which again, is part of that socialization process that men come in and have to be the sort of strong savior and women are kind of the damsel in distress that that need to be saved. Um, So this socialization process, I think, really happens across all aspects of of life. It happens from from parents, from friends, from teachers, uh, from the media, from what we're reading, from what we're seeing uh, everywhere. So I would say say that's that's how that socialization process happens. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Once we kind of get into get into education, secondary education, and beyond into kind of college, uh, university age students, what sort of impact do you see the idea of masculinities having in in a kind of school or, or education context? As we're all socialized into into the world. It affects everything. It affects the way that you view the world. It affects the way that you interact with other students. It affects what happens in the classroom and what happens outside of the classroom. One thing that I was thinking of as well, I was pondering this question before the podcast. And I think some of the messages that boys and men get when they're in school is that they have to go in and do things like math and science and business so that they can get a really high paying job to support the family. And and maybe that's not, maybe that that adds a lot of pressure to some men and boys to, to study things that maybe they didn't necessarily want to study, um, to go down a certain career path that they didn't really 
feel so passionate about because they feel these social norms to go to go and pursue something because it's it's high paying. Even in this day and age, I still talk to lots of men and they say, and if they earn less than their than their wife or their girlfriend or something like that, they have an issue with that. And so it again, like these social norms are quite strong that say that men have to earn more money than women. So that often can push men into doing these sorts of into careers that maybe they didn't want to do. So that's maybe something within the classroom that can also lead to more competitiveness if you were talking about group work and if you're talking about group projects or, or different things within that, that are happening within within the classroom. Outside of the classroom, I think it's really important. We really have to talk about violence because there is a lot of violence that happens in schools or rather with students, university, high school, college, what have you. And that is happening outside of the classroom, but it's happening very much in a school environment. I can read a couple of statistics. I'll, I'll put out some stats that, that a, a local organization in the UK called uh, Let Me Know has, has published. So they've said 75% of teenage girls and 50% of teenage boys experience emotional partner violence. 25% of 16 and 19 year old girls have experienced physical violence from a dating partner. And one fifth of 16 to 17 year old girls can tell if a relationship is abusive. So there is a lot of violence that's happening in relationships with adolescents, with young adults, if you kind of add into that for LGBTQI youth, um, so lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer, intersex youth in schools, depression is higher than than their peers. Bullying is a lot higher. Even if you're perceived as, as potentially not adhering to gender norms or perceived as being gay, then bullying and violence increases. There's also issues with uh, Black, Asian, minority, ethnic people as well. And wherever you're listening from, minority groups often face more bullying, more violence, more harassment in, uh, in school. At least that's been my experience doing international development work with, um, with Save the Children. So you have a lot of different types of violence uh, facing different groups in, um, in school environments really have to be thought about. So I would say, I would say that's a really important manifestation of some of, some of these challenges. Yeah, I guess that's where some of these uh, adjectives like toxic <laughs> that get unfortunately associated with the idea of masculinity or masculinities, part of, that's part of where all that comes from, unfortunately. I mean, if I could give you yeah, just sort of a, as you're saying that, a quick idea just popped to my mind is one of these notions of, of toxic masculinities is that men are really not taught to deal with their emotions. They're not taught to regulate their emotions enough. They're kind of taught to bottle it up and take it out by punching a wall or something like that. So this failure to regulate emotions has has been linked to expressions of violence. Where that violence goes is all kind of rooted in underlying inequality that exists. So, you know, choosing a woman as your target for violence is rooted in gender inequality that that is pervasive in society as, as that in that example. But this kind of inability to regulate emotions that can actually lead to those manifestations of violence. So that is a very toxic thing versus kind of talking things through, expressing frustration, expressing those emotions, naming them and having a safe space to, to talk about that as a more as a more positive um, expression of, of those emotions it's, it's it's really interesting just anecdotally on the kind of point about violence a boys school which someone i know very well at that school mentioned that when the school came back into session after the last lockdown there was a real spike in violence <laughs> among the boys because those kind of skills that help uh, as, as kind of get along together had had been lost uh, perhaps emotions running particularly high with with kind of various stress and worry about what's going on of course schools are about to go back into session in the UK uh, we're recording this towards the end of February uh, 2021 
and in a couple of weeks time schools are planning to get students back in so uh, you know that could be something to to watch out for as, as people get used to being together again yeah it's it's a really important point the sort of re-socializing that that we're going to have to do uh, because the impact of the pandemic globally has been catastrophic on on children on youth the mental health challenges are very well documented and as i mentioned before they're they're much worse the, the more the more marginalization you face uh, whether that's a sexual or gender minority an ethnic minority um, the more systemic inequality you're likely to face and the more the barriers are there with, with regards to mental health challenges um, you know lgbtqi people are more likely to have to have lost their job black asian minority ethnic people in the uk are more likely to have lost their job which leads then to more more stress and more more anxiety which can then also lead to more more manifestations of violence potentially in certain situations and this is of course echoed with children when children see violence they are then going to going to express that violence as well so it's, it's it is really important to think about the systemic inequality that how this pandemic has really elucidated so much systemic inequality globally. I mean, it's not just in the UK, it's it's a global, it's very well documented globally. Absolutely. What are the kind of key things you'd want to get through to people? You know, potentially, you know, young men listening to this this podcast, where would you start? Get educated, learn. I mean, there, there's so many resources out there. If you if you Google positive masculinity, you'll come up with a lot of really great, really great stuff. There's a lot of amazing organizations working on these topics. There's a ton of great stuff out there. In order to change behavior, you have to identify what behavior you might want to change, right? And so this, I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that um, people need to change who they are. Uh, I'm saying that if there are certain things that are problematic about about how you've been socialized and you don't like those things, um, and you want to change them, then great. You know, I gave some examples earlier about myself just talking about feelings and, and being a little bit more vulnerable. Um, those are things I want to change about myself because it improves uh, my own mental health. It improves the mental health of the people around me. It improves connection. Uh, so there's so many, so many positive reasons to, to do that. Uh, so I would say, number one, just, just get educated, learn, explore, be open, and then ask yourself some of those questions. Why am I doing what it is that I'm doing. You know, if you're if you're finding yourself in a situation where you're hanging out with a bunch of guys and they're talking pretty disrespectfully and, and pretty negatively about women, ask yourself, where does this come from? And do I really think this is this is the kind of group of people that I want to be around? Or do I want to maybe challenge that and speak up and say something or maybe find a new group of friends or something like that? I've certainly had to do that. I've had to challenge and, and certain people and try to change some minds. I've had myself challenged as well and had my own mind changed on certain things. So I would say I would say being open there as well um, to having some of these some of these conversations um, to sort of think about and kind of reinvent this idea of, of what masculinity uh, means so that we can retain the great things um, and then sort of do away with some of the more some of the more negative things. Uh, so I would say that's that's an important thing. And kind of related to that is develop deep friendships. I mean, um, again, women and girls are more socialized to develop these kind of deep same-sex friendships. And I would say for for boys and men to to go out there and try to find some some of those friendships and really deeply connect. Don't just talk about sports. Try to talk about something else that that you really connect on. Uh, because again, with Older men, even in the middle, in their middle age, kind of in 40 and above, mental health does rapidly decline for a lot of men. A big part of that is because some studies have shown that they don't have those 
deep connections with someone apart from their partner, right? Which then increases a lot of the burden on the partner, but then also on the men who don't have those deep and meaningful friendships. Um, so then you actually have high, high rates of suicide among men kind of in their 40s and 50s as they're, as they're progressing in their life um, related to that lack of connection. Um, and then that those, those rates kind of go up as, as they get a little bit older. So I would say as you're at university, high school and beyond, really take the time to develop deep and meaningful friendships with, uh, with the people in your life, um, whether they're men or women or, or non-binary people or whoever, whoever you're hanging out with, um, spend the time and, and do that. I think that's, that's an important piece to include there too. And I guess related to that, take care of your mental health right now, because with, with the pandemic, everyone's experiencing this in different, different ways around the world. Uh, but so important to take care of your mental health right now because mental and physical health, but, uh, you know, particularly in mental health because men are, are often taught not to do that. So I would say really put an emphasis on that right now because as, as you were saying, William, I mean, as things come back to normal, we may not even realize the impact that this pandemic has had on us. So some of these boys going back to school and maybe becoming more violent. Well, maybe they were just bottling it all up and not expressing anything through this whole time and they seemed fine. But then when they go back to school, it's like this explosion of, of emotion and the one way they know how to express that is through violence. So we don't always know what's happening inside us and unless we spend a little bit of time exploring that. Yeah, I think that's I think that's such an important point for everyone <laughs> at the moment. In practice, where might you start with that to to look after our mental health? One place that I started was questioning you know, how am I doing today? I'm someone who who I'm always kind of on a, I've always sort of been told that I'm on kind of a level emotional plane. And so I almost take that for granted that I wake up and ah, I'm fine today. I'm fine today. And I know there's a gendered element there um, to think that. So what I try to do is I try to step back and say, am I really fine? Or am I just saying that I'm fine? You know, what's really happening uh, in there? And some days I'm great. Some days I'm feeling a bit anxious. Some days I'm feeling a bit nervous. Some days I'm just tired. Some days I'm feeling frustrated. And so I'm trying to become a little bit more emotionally literate in my day-to-day, -day, just sort of checking in with myself. And I found that actually meditation is quite useful. There's a lot of great free or paid um, meditation stuff out there as well. And I try to do that when I can. Again, it goes in fits and starts. But I do find that space to just kind of step back and and just be um, has has helped as well, sort of checking in on some of those emotions because I spent a lot of years ignoring all of that. So it's, it's a process where I'm trying to learn uh, how to do that. Um, educating myself on the resources that are out there, I would say uh, just looking around. My workplace has been great, I think, through the pandemic in, in constantly sharing well-being resources. And so I actually open those up and I read them and I share them and I talk to people um, about what they're doing and, and what I'm doing and that sort of thing, uh, which is, I guess, the next piece is back to that point about connecting. So connect with people and share how you're doing and ask how other people are doing and be there be there for each other uh, I think is I think is an important piece. And there's simple things like even just getting out for a 10 minute walk if if that's all you have time for that day, do that. If it's a quick workout, fine do that because physical health will also lead to to mental health you know we're all kind of cooped up in in the same place here whether it's in your living room with and you're doing all your work in there maybe you you have a, a bigger place but still it, it is important to sort of get out and and get a little bit of fresh air i find that uh that helps a lot with mental health and if there are serious issues with mental health finding the right supports that are out there from professional service providers is, is crucial i'm speaking of mental health more from kind of a well 
well-being point of view, because um, I'm not a mental health expert per se, but just thinking a little bit about that day-to-day well-being. Yeah, I think that's really important. And you, you mentioned resources on meditation and mindfulness, episode 31, in fact, of this very podcast uh, with Claire Kelly. We were talking about the benefits of, of mindfulness meditation practice for students, and Claire gives a lot of great advice on how, how to get started uh, and actually leads a bit of a, a guided meditation as part of that episode. So, so do go back and check that out uh, if you'd like to get a bit deeper on that. Tim, so it's so much, so much great advice. I just wanted to circle back on something you mentioned, uh, competitiveness, and that kind of got my own gears turning because referring back to a recent podcast, I talked to Dr. Erica Patel, who's an expert on motivation in the classroom. And I'd asked her, what, what's maybe the kind of the one thing you see students leaning on when it comes to getting motivated that you really wish they'd stop? <laughs> Not a good idea uh, for getting motivated. And she came out and said competitiveness. It can be a really powerful driver, but a double-edged sword it can also be very problematic. I just wondered whether you had any practical thoughts on that idea of competitiveness and feeling like you have to be the best. What might you say to someone on, on that point? Yeah, it's a really tricky one because on the one hand, life is competitive. It's a tough job market out there. It's a tough academic market if you're trying to get into university or what have you, or college or, or move on to something else. Everything is very competitive these days. So in some ways, this is a tricky question because as, as you say, it can be a great motivator, but it can also have this really this really toxic effect. I went back and did a master's degree a few years ago. And what I found was that it was group work heavy, right? Um, And so I found that in some groups, we would have people who just wanted to produce the best work just to do better than other people. Um, And what they would often do is they would sort of dominate the group work, do, do additional work, work really hard, stay up late, what have you, come out at the end. And maybe the mark was good. Maybe it wasn't, um, but all group members didn't really feel good about that. So not all group members actually learned something through that process. And so in the end, maybe there was a good mark on that particular activity, but within the bigger picture, the people who were part of that group weren't actually necessarily learning everything um, that they needed to know about that particular topic, which might hurt them down the line. Uh, the other piece is is collaboration. I mean, in the real world, you collaborate. When you're working in any environment, you need to be able to work with multiple different people who have different line managers, who have different um, motivations, who have different targets and objectives and key performance indicators. And you need to be able to work together to deliver quality output, whatever whatever field you're in. I think about in, in my line of work, I, I'll work on a lot of proposals for funding, for example, with... Um, with say the children. So, you know, we have to be competitive in a way that we're submitting a bid for for funds that funds the organization and our salaries, so we need to we need to be competitive and and have something good out there. But internally, we need to be able to work together and if we ha- don't see eye to eye on something, we need to be able to talk about it and come together to truly learn from each other so that we have a better product at the end because in that that's that is a really important life skill to to learn, and so the whole the whole world doesn't just happen with you going out there and being a high performing individual. That's not it. We work within teams and with organi- within organizations. If you are experiencing that question again, what is the bigger picture here? Are you are you being competitive because you just want to have a higher grade than the person beside you, um, or are you being competitive because you're working together and you're feeling really good about the product that you're that you're creating? There is this uh, this psych study that I heard about that said you could earn. I might get some of the details wrong here, but it was something like you could earn twenty thousand pounds, 
and know that it is more than your neighbor, or you can earn 25,000 pounds and know that it is less than your neighbor, which would you prefer? And a lot of people would actually prefer to earn less, but earn more than their neighbor. So it comes back to this thing, you know, are, are you are you being competitive for the right reasons? Is it just to know that you're better than someone else? Or is it, uh, is it that you're working towards something, something a little bit bigger? Let's say ask yourselves those questions. And again, it can be quite challenging depending on, on the environment that you're in. Certain vocations are going to be a lot more competitive um, than others. You know, I, I studied international development, humanities, that sort of thing. So it's probably a little bit less of that competitive streak. Um, I can say my uh, my partner is a lawyer, and in law school, you saw a lot of this. Um, you saw a lot more of this competition that happened in law school because in the lawyer world, there is more of that kind of intense competition that is just more characteristic of, of that uh, that profession. So it, it can be a little bit easier, more challenging depending on on the on the field that you're in. Uh, but talk about it, question it, and try to try to find ways around it when you are seeing it. But ask yourself that question: Am I being competitive for for the right reason here? I would say would be my my simplest advice. Nice. A mentor of mine often says, "Stay in your lane," by which she means don't worry about what other people are doing, how fast other people are swimming in the lanes next to you. You, you focus on swimming your lane uh, and going as fast as you can uh, and let other people do that thing. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's great. We talked quite a bit about the challenges and, and some of the uh, maybe ways we can, we can approach them and, and, and kind of work towards some solutions. But I don't want to leave people with the idea that you know, masculinity is a bad thing you know, <laughs> and there's, there's no good in it whatsoever. You, you mentioned yourself, I think, a little earlier. There are some great points. There, there, there are some great things to it as well. Maybe just mention a little bit of the, the good stuff as, as, as well. One thing I could do is I have a quote actually that I'd like to read. And I think this, this sums things up um, pretty well and, and really does sort of capture that. But it, it hinges on this idea that masculinities can be whatever we want them to be, just like anything. It's a social construct. So it can be something that's, that's, that's negative or it can be something that's very positive. So I talked a little bit before about just as much as you can have the concept of, say, an absent father, you can also have the concept of a very loving father, um, for example, who's who, to me, that's a great example of, of a positive masculinity. The, the quote I want to read is by, uh, is by Bell Hooks uh, from a book called The Will to Change. So it is, our work of love should be to reclaim masculinity and not allow it to be held hostage to patriarchal domination. There is a creative, life-sustaining, life-enhancing place for the masculine in a non-dominator culture. And those of us committed to ending the patriarchy can touch the hearts of real men where they live, not by demanding that they give up manhood or maleness, but by asking that they allow its meaning to be transformed, that they become disloyal to patriarchal masculinity in order to find a place for the masculine that does not make it synonymous with domination or the will to do violence. So I, I, I like that quote because it, it it sort of captures this idea that we can we can change how we perceive the world. There is a culture out there that does celebrate men being violent towards women. It, there there are so many manifestations of it in video games and movies. This idea of men holding women hostage and then somehow the woman falls in love with the man. There's this whole thing about that in, in movies where you see this. 
those, those to me are, are more kind of toxic versions. Men who are seeing people as equals and who are showing love and showing vulnerability um, and, and just working towards equality in society is a much more positive version of, of masculinity in, in, in my view. I, I love that quote. I think that was, that was beautiful. So thank, thank you for sharing. Uh, and, and, and what, what a great sentiment. Is, is there anything we haven't talked about yet that you'd, you'd really like to share with people before we, before we wrap up? The only other thing would just maybe to be um, just to kind of emphasize that we all have a role to play in dismantling inequality. Inequality is not good for anyone. Um, and you can take either the business case for that, or you can take the human rights case um, and both point to the fact that inequality is, 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 not, um, is not a positive thing. Women earning less than men in the workplace for equal work is not a good thing. Gay kids in school being bullied is not a good thing. None of these things are positive. So I would say um, for everybody listening out there, if you're you know, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you're if you're another a fellow classmate, um, think about what your role is in promoting equality. If you're a teacher, how inclusive are your classrooms? What kind of language are you using? Are are you potentially inadvertently perpetuating harmful gender stereotypes that are kind of emblematic of some of the some of the topics we've been talking about? If you're a parent, again. I've seen lots of parents say say things to their kids like "girls don't play sports, girls have to be playing with dolls." I've, I've seen that said, and 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 I've, but I've also seen the opposite um, that says of lots of parents saying, "you know, you can be whatever you want to be and go out there and just go with your heart." Um, so I would say just just we all have a role to play in in combating inequality. Um, so think about whatever your station in life. Try to try to think about that and what you can do to to promote equality. Fantastic. Tim, I think that's that's a fantastic message to to end on. Any closing places you'd like to signpost people to in order to kind of either find out more about yourself or, or the kind of any of the work you've you've mentioned? Um it might be easier if I just share some resources afterwards in uh in the show notes, but definitely one organization I'm really excited about here in the UK is is called uh Beyond Equality. So as I mentioned earlier, they do um they're they're working in schools and workplaces and universities, really tackling, doing workshops on notions of masculinities. So I think, and it's very powerful stuff. So I'm, I'm really jazzed about uh, signing up as a, as a volunteer facilitator with them. And uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely point people towards that and I can share some other stuff uh, afterwards. We can put any links in the show notes, of, of course, for people to take a look at, in, in which case all that remains is for me to say thank you once again, Tim, for, for a brilliant conversation uh, and for being so generous uh, and, and so sort of balanced and insightful with the conversation on this topic. Uh, I think it's been been really great to explore with you. So, so thank you. Great. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. If you've got exams coming up, you can now get all of William's favourite tips and tricks to save you time and get you higher grades all in one handy cheat sheet. Grab your copy at examstudyexpert.com slash free tips. Thanks again for listening and see you soon.